Welcome! I'm Roxanne Spring, your personal midwife after hours, celebrating and promoting wisdom and power in pregnancy, birth, and beyond. today. This episode is going to be very poignant and um, I am so pleased to have someone that we just met a few minutes ago for the very first time in person on Zoom anyway. Uh, I want to give you just a tad bit of backstory. I actually had an interview with Barb Decker and Barb Decker does this amazing thing called prenatal bonding. Well, we had a delightful interview, and at the end of it, I was discussing when this might air, and she was like, well, it's Father's Day Sunday, and I was like, oh my goodness, yes, I have to get a father, and she said, I might have someone for you, and then this brave soul, his name is John Boyd, and he is a new dad. That's the first thing he wants you to know. <laughs> he has a seven-month-old baby girl, Rumi Rhodes. Am I pronouncing that right, Rumi? Rumi Rhodes, yeah. Rumi Rhodes. And he and his wife met and fell in love in Brooklyn. And they just temporarily moved to Seattle. He's been in hospitality his entire life. And now he's making a big shift into becoming an electrician. I am so delighted that you've come here today. You have quite a lot to share with us, and I don't want to be the one guiding it. I want you to let it flow as it will. However, on this program, because it's about midwifery after hours, I always ask, do you know or have you been introduced or what do you know and how do you think about midwifery? But um, midwifery, as far as uh, the doula, is are they similar? Is that am I correct there? This is a wonderful way to ask the question. I'm so glad you have. So a doula is someone that is really supportive to you, and you know all about what Barb does and about having a doula in your life. Mm -hmm. Actually, though, a midwife is the care provider for someone during pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. And there's a variety of pathways and a variety of people. So you can find midwives in the hospital. You can also find midwives at birth centers and doing home births as well. So so I get from what you just said, and I, pardon me, but I wanna back up and say, welcome, John. Welcome thank to this you, thank program. Thank you for having me. So nice to meet you. It's so nice to meet you. Yeah. And uh, the opportunity for this rich story today is wonderful, but it's a very poignant time in your life. And I'm very yes. thankful. And now I'm going to be quiet, zip my mouth, and let you just begin to uh, tell me, how did you find the doula? Doula Decker, Barb Decker. Doula Decker, yes. Yeah, she... Um... She came into our lives kind of by accident. Um, my wife, Heather, um, she was looking for certain classes to help us out, and we weren't exactly sure what road we were going to be taking. And um, she signed up for Barbara's class, thinking that it was thinking thinking that it was uh, something else. We didn't realize it was what it was, uh, which was um, hypnobirthing. So we jumped into this class on Zoom because of, you know, the pandemic. And I think there were eight other couples. And we said, the, like five minutes into this first class, we looked at each other and we're like, what is going on? Like, this is, this is something very interesting. It's right up our alley, but we didn't really know 
what we were signing up for. And um, like I said, it, it was right up our alley as far as um, Barbara's energy and what that entailed and how the connection from Barbara to her students and then like a sidestep to me, it brought me connected. Hmm. I didn't know how I was going to get connected to Heather and the baby and, um, and looking back to where, when Heather, um, you know, told me she was pregnant and those next few months, I, I didn't really know how I was going to be a, a part of this. And, um, and Barbara made it clear that I was going to be a huge part of it. And, um, you know, the hypnobirthing uh, really struck Heather and she started to make a connection. But once, once we did prenatal bonding, um, that was, that was, that experience encapsulated um, our love for each other, uh, the love that we could have with, uh, you know, Rumi in the womb. And I didn't think that you could ever make a connection to Rumi in the womb. Mm. Um, it was a wild experience. So how did it transition from being in her class for hypnobirthing to being in pre-birth bonding or uh, prenatal bonding? Excuse me. Um, let's see. I think it was uh, a certain stage of hypnobirthing um barbara offered to the class i'm available it goes down from you know from that full class to one-on-one -on -one, mm -hmm. and we were just we were huge barbara decker fans at that point <laughs> we looked at each other and we're like it doesn't matter what it costs this what she's going to offer, we already knew, is going to be priceless. Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then how, so it was one-on-one -on -one instead of group. How often right. were you meeting? And it sounds like you started this when you were in the, pretty close to the birth or when? Uh, right, those stages. So I think um, it was more toward the end of hypnobirthing. It overlapped by a few weeks, I believe. <laughs> and... Um, we were doing one session a week, just like we were doing one session a week with hypnobirthing. So there was a time where we were doing two sessions, mm -hmm. one hypnobirthing class and one um, prenatal bonding. And I believe it was an hour and a half that we sat with Barb. Um, do you want me to describe a session? I want you to take us okay. into whatever, okay. you know, it's wonderful <laughs> to hear how you were introduced to it and sure. that that was not something necessarily on your radar, but more of a curiosity. And then, I, yeah. yeah, I think, I think Barb did a quick overview. Mm -hmm. um, one of those sentences was connecting with Rumi in the womb. And we just thought that the benefits would be astounding. And um, we were right. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so um, most of those sessions, uh, Roxanne, we um, were, were silent, okay? Like, we would be on a couch, comfortable, legs up, and Barb would be at her desk and um, she would give us, she would give us, uh, a, she would give us some time and she would give us uh, a direction. And she would say, you know, John, I need you to, it's your turn now. And I want you both to close your eyes and, um, and have your time with Rumi. Mm. And to get our time with Rumi, we needed to do certain things. One was I needed to, sorry, I'm getting emotional a little bit. Um, we needed to, uh, 
this is crazy looking back. Um, I needed to go up to the womb and, and ask Rumi for acceptance to go into the womb. So I, I remember seeing the, um, the structure of the womb and it was like a big beach ball in the middle of a backyard, (laughs) but it was, um, it was kind of a soft outer shell and it was gold. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I put my hand on it every day we had this thing and I was like, I was like, uh, you know, I asked Rumi if I could enter. And I heard her voice mm-hmm. and um, I heard her say various things. You know, each session was different for me. And uh, one was um, the door's already open, come in. <laughs> and um, there was another time where uh, she said that and I heard her you know, say, say the word daddy like three times. Mm. And I, um, and I also, um, you know, saw her as a toddler running towards me, gave me a hug. Like this was crazy stuff and it was happening kind of quickly. I'm I'm sorry. I'm not moving, uh, you know, a little faster, but, um, you know, these were my sessions and I spent time with her, you know, building things, painting and, and, you know, sports and, and, you know, being around cars and being on the road with, you know, with her in the car seat. And, and these are the things that I'm seeing. Right. Uh And Heather said that when I was doing my thing with her, and the, the entire time this is going on, you hear Barbara like, you know, grabbing, grabbing pieces of paper, you know, her alarm goes off. Something she gets a text message in the background. You see, you hear like cars drive by. Um, but nothing like nothing was distracting. Yeah. It, it was remarkable. And, and when this, when I was experiencing this, Heather was feeling roomy, kicking Mm. hard Mm. and moving and, and she didn't move, you know, through the birth, they don't move all the time. And, and, uh, but these specific times, I mean, she was very active, very busy (laughs) and, um, and that was my my experience with uh, these sessions, and um, it was crazy to feel and crazy to see, and um, yeah, it was it was something special. That is uh, not an experience that I bet most of the people listening to this have ever had, and it is an experience that. Uh, as you even anticipated it, you were thinking it was priceless. And it seems from the way that you are describing it, it was it was actually more than priceless, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, if you could imagine. <laughs> it really was. And honestly, like, um, I remember some other, some other tools from these sessions. One was... Um, you know, she, she told us how to, how to make a connection moment to moment with Rumi. For instance, like we have this little Chihuahua uh, Italian greyhound and, you know, she was a rescue and she's not the most well-behaved dog and she's got a bark. She loves to bark. And Barbara's like, you introduce Parker to Rumi. You tell Rumi that's just doggy barking, you know, and you, and you you make her see what you see. So she sees through you. At one point, you know, we're we're staying with um, 
with her dad and stepmom just outside of Seattle and in their home. And Barbara's like, okay, you know, between now and next session, please walk Rumi around the house and describe the home. This is the mm. kitchen mm. where we do all the cooking. Mm. This is the backyard. You know, this is mm. where we hang out. This is the bathroom, you know, just show mm. her around. And as we're walking upstairs in elevation, walking around, she feels all of that sincerely. Yeah. And, um, you know, we had Heather's stepmom who has a very grandiose voice, you know, and her dad is super whimsical and, and, we had them reading books to her. And uh, so she knows these voices and we have these exercises and out of the womb after birth, she's looking at all of us and she knows. Oh yeah. She knows who we are Yeah, already. Yeah. And well, these relationships, um, you know, they grew with her as she was growing in the womb and she was she was smiling i think um i I can't pinpoint a a day i forget but um i mean she looked at heather and i think in the hospital she was she was giving us a smile um you know and and she was laser focus on who these people are Mm. and um and also uh we think that her demeanor um, is because of Barb and, and what we went through with prenatal bonding and getting her, you know, essentially getting her ready to come out of the womb. Hmm. Um, so what can you say that you learned about Rumi? What, what did um, you, did, did you have things that you felt like you knew about personality or about, about, tell me a little bit about how she felt so familiar to you. Um, I guess it was her, her overall demeanor mm-hmm. and um, able to, to, you know, this is still very brand new, but she's, um, just her demeanor is unbelievable with, with, you know, what's interesting is Heather and I worked, um, in hospitality for a long time and, um, you know, all these faces I see, and it's interesting that I grew up with this, my mom's artwork, which is this back wall for people who can't see uh, is filled with like 15 of my mom's faces. And, and these faces have been around me, forever and then I became you know a bartender and I see and meet all these people and and I see Rumi with strangers and with other people and she is looking and seeing and and I think that's what is interesting now for me to learn um that she will be comfortable socially and and I think um it's just yeah, it's it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, that mm-hmm. really is. And so, that do you feel like it made a difference in the birth itself? Do you feel like that? Um, well, it? yes, yes, and no. Okay. Um, the process of hypnobirthing. Um, we had these tools to help Heather, uh, as, um, I, I really liked talking to Heather about, um, you know, these scripts that we would read and we would read them. I would read them, try to, we would try to read them every night. We, I mean me, (laughs) and I would read them to Heather and Rumi. And it got to a point where I was like a sentence in and she's out. But I would continue to read, you know, and it got this like hypnosis, hypnobirthing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that, that helped us um, in certain parts. Wait, Roxanne, tell me the question again. Oh, that's, you're doing great. I just was wondering if you felt like how this 
played into the birth, both the prenatal right. the pre, prenatal bonding as, as, but you also had this as a dual because you had that hypnobirthing. Right, right. So. And also we had Barbara on FaceTime uh. for our birth. So that helped as well. But I was doing my mantra things for Heather and other tools and stretching and things like that. But um, prenatal bonding helped us so much because we could ask Rumi to do things. And, and Barbara told us that we could ask her. So, um, so there was, uh, there were moments during labor where, um, Rumi was, where Rumi was having some D cells and Heather was in a ton of pain and there were other factors, um, along the way as far as the epidural was not exactly put in right and heather was like having all this pain and and we you know she and Rumi like that we you know we wanted obviously a vaginal birth mm -hmm. did not want a c-section mm -hmm. <clears throat> and um heather and i started asking Rumi to nudge down what barbara does and has been doing is like, um, I guess, I, I guess it's like third week 39 or something. You start the baby st or maybe earlier than that. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we have to get Rumi toward, you know, toward, uh, getting, getting ready for her to come out. So she's like, nudge, nudge, nudge. <laughs> this is Barbara so, talking to Rumi. Uh, you know, during our prenatal bonding. And she's like, use this phrase, nudge, 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 uh, to, to get her, you know, in the right position. So away from the classes, Heather and I would imitate Barbara in that voice and try to get her to get in the right position. And in the hospital during later labor, we're trying to get Rumi to nudge down in the right position. Well, it didn't, it didn't happen. We needed to C-section mm -hmm. and, um, because there were three different, um, decelerations that we, that we noticed and the doctors noticed, uh, about Rumi. So they came in like three or four doctors and they, they said, listen, this is time. It's time. You know, we should, um, we should proceed with a C-section because we're, we're getting a little worried, but you know, the whole time. Heather and I are saying to Rumi, Rumi, can you, can you get closer? Can you, can you push down, push and try to get down um, so we can get you out? And um, like I said, the doctors came in, you know, they took, they took Heather into the room next door. I went in, I was sitting next to Heather and, um, you know, they gave Heather what, she needed everything proceeded then we then we're back in the recovery room and we noticed uh maybe within the next 24 hours this right at the uh right at her hairline on her forehead um we noticed a bruise mm -hmm. Excuse me. No, you take the time you need. We noticed a bruise. And um, that bruise, we think, and we, we believe, um, was because Rumi was trying so hard to do what we were asking her to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Well, it, it, the baby is definitely working hard at this process too. Yeah. And yeah. there's a lot to navigate. 
Um, and there, I, I would support you in your belief that that bruise was there because she was actually encountering bony substructure, you know, that's what she was encountering. Like the pelvis, right. Like the the pelvis. pelvis. It it is the pelvis. She was kind of pushing in the slight wrong direction or whatever, but that was crazy. Like that was, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. Well, those are, those are some navigating the labor and, and having that be where, where it goes, where isn't, it isn't what you had anticipated. It's certainly not what you would wanted, but in, in many cases it is what is required. And sometimes we have the answers to why, and sometimes we don't. So, you know, there's many things as, as a midwife that, I've done with people to assist that baby with the room to to move and to having mom be in the various positions and whatever she intuitively knows, which gets a little more challenging with an epidural because your m- movements are a little limited, but yeah. it's still there having those opportunities to to actually listen to what the baby is is saying, not literally saying, but what the baby is is doing, and 100%. you know, by laying hands on and and you know, really, when I a midwifery to me was not just to be a midwife for the mom, and it wasn't just being a midwife for the mom and the baby. It's being a midwife for the family. You know, it's being there for the entire family because that is the context. And so you have a context that is there for, for this. And you know, it wasn't, this is just kind of a, an aside. It wasn't until I was in my forties that the thought occurred to me when I was pregnant with my first daughter, I have six children, so, but when I was pregnant with, my, yeah, I know, when I was pregnant <laughs> with my first daughter, I was interested in astrology, so much so that I had my birth chart done. Well, after that, it really wasn't a big thing in my, my life, but guess who is my astrologer? The one that is really interested in astrology. It's this daughter. And then in my 40s, it dawned on me, wait a minute, did I bring that to you or did you bring that to me? Right, is that an accident? It's not by accident, but you know, the question or the thing is, is that babies are not a blank slate. They don't just come out with not having their own destiny to fulfill. And so it, it really is an interesting thing to to comprehend that and to see that wow mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah well um so of course birth is one very very important transition but now let's go into you've been a daddy now for how many months Seven months, close to seven months. Close to seven months. You're almost seasoned. <laughs> but I mean, I feel like there's so much that has happened. Yeah. It, it's crazy. Every day, every day is different. Mm-hmm. And um, this story is quite remarkable uh, with, you know, Heather and I um, being displaced to the Seattle area. You know, we were in Brooklyn this whole time and mm-hmm. we got married in Brooklyn. We walked the Brooklyn bridge and, and um, we have so many friends there that we made over the years. And uh, you know, when, when I think there was in one week, I found out that there was a pandemic mm-hmm. and also that Heather and I are pregnant with our first child. Wow. That was a big week for it was us, a right? Big week. And, then, and then, and then Heather got on the phone with her dad, who is just one of the most amazing people. And I look up to him, and uh, <clears throat> he's been really, really special lately. Um, and uh, you know, he says you can come live with us. So we rented a U-Haul and we towed our car with all of our things, and we drove 
five five days it took us um, during a pandemic across the country we slept in our car little parker was there and we um and and we made it and we moved in we moved in with him and um and we were uh we were able to or we were forced to you know quit our jobs and you know we proceeded with hypnobirthing and prenatal bonding and we Rumi came to us and and we were there with her every day <clears throat> every day we were there with her and we you know we started, um you know living off savings a bit and we decided that we just want to see this baby every day mm-hmm. and we concentrated on Rumi and uh you know, Carol is there and, and Dennis is there and little Parker and, and we're every day we were, we were together and the amount of FaceTime we have with this child was really something that I feel like um, not many people get an opportunity to do because neither of us were going to a full-time you know, full-time mm-hmm. job at this point, um, you know, mainly because of the pandemic and, and, uh, and I can't imagine what other parents go through. Um, you know, we, we weren't two ships passing in the night. Like we were there mm-hmm. the whole time, all three of us. And, you know, she is little Rumi is soaking it all up. Mm-hmm. Um, so these first six months, uh, you know, Dennis and Carol were helping us out and babysitting for an hour here so we could, you know, cook 10 feet away from them and, and you know, making dinner and food. And, and uh, you know, we've been a big, happy family through all of this. And, uh, and then uh, we found out that, um, that my dad passed away. He was suffering from dementia. And I'm sure some depression in there and he has not had the easiest time and he was in the army and just, I mean, he, what he did, what he could and, and he was extremely talented and we learned, we all learned so much. Me and my three sisters learned so much from him and, and we sensed that the end was near because the previous, I would say the last four years, um, you know, you see a decline, mm-hmm. you see a decline. So being on the West coast away from them, they're uh, just outside of Philadelphia, mm-hmm. uh, in New Jersey. Um, I decided that we were going to have uh, tea every Sunday with Rumi. It's like Rumi's, you know, the name of the zoom link was uh, Rumi's tea party. Right. And, oh. and we would, you know, invite my sisters and, and my mom would have, you know, my dad come over and say hi. And sometimes, like, he wouldn't make it. And sometimes mm-hmm. he would look confused. And But the fact that he saw Rumi and we interacted mm-hmm. like that was, I knew that somehow I knew that we weren't going to have as much time as we would like, um, mm-hmm. you know, with him. Uh, so once the um pandemic got a little better uh we booked a trip that was for the 15th of this month and um we were house sitting for heather's aunt in prosser washington and through this visit we were there for about a week uh we were getting updates from my mom as far as my dad went into the hospital and then he was going to come home and we were going to do hospice so we were getting the house ready for a hospice bed and he was doing good today and he was eating and there was other days where he had to be in restraints and he was not participating. So it was, it should, you know, my wife, Oh my God bless her. Like she did such an amazing job with me. And she's like, listen, if you think you need to go, we'll put you on a plane. Like mm-hmm. you let me know. And then I, I said, you know, um, it was more like a, a 24 hour situation. If we were to get an update, mm-hmm. Heather's aunt who's in the medical field 
said that, you know, maybe you could get a 24-hour window if, if it seems like it's going that mm -hmm. direction. Mm -hmm. um, at the end of our visit, we're driving from eastern Washington back to near Seattle, back to our dad's, and we pull over and we needed to change a diaper. And we're on the side of where we're on a little rest stop. And uh, my oldest sister calls me, whose name is Heather as well. And, uh, and she, um, she tells me that my dad had passed from my dad uh, from the hospital. He was in the hospital for about a week. He was getting amazing care. Uh, he did what he had to do to get to where he wanted to be, which was here at his house. Mm -hmm. um, that's, uh, his house is 111 years old, by the way. Wow. He did what he had to do to get out of there. Mm. He, had to, he needed to eat. He needed to you know, mm. do some steps, walk around a little bit, whatever. Um, my mom got a bed set up on the first floor. He came home. And uh, my two oldest sisters were, were helping with all of this. God bless them. And uh, he came home and not 24 hours later, he passed. Mm. And that was, you were scheduled to come out on the 15th. And what day was that? And he passed on the 10th. On the 10th. So we, we bumped our flight and we were out here on the 12th. Mm -hmm. So we've been here ever since, and it's been it's been surreal. Mm -hmm. With my dad always being here on this property, mm -hmm. he's just, he's always been here, and uh, and he is now gone, and little Rumi is here, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, it's been it's been surreal a lot to deal with and we had so many friends and flowers coming and food coming and they have this great backyard and and um it's amazing and no one ever tells you that it takes so much energy to deal with all of this mm -hmm. um that adrenaline kicks in mm -hmm. and just takes you through and uh so i am still on this adrenaline high and I'm just trying to not fall over. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's part of what makes this yes. so poignant is that this is an episode that airs on Father's Day. And you have already told us about your pathway to creating this amazing bond with Remy in the womb. And... Yeah and creating this bond as much as possible with Rumi and her grandfathers, both of them. I mean, she has the these both rich relationships, albeit shorter with your dad. And, you know, but nonetheless, it's amazing because we don't always know what babies remember because they may or may not verbalize it but we know they remember from the womb. We know that the stories that her grandpa read to her in the womb, she knows, she remembers, yep. she knows the voice. So we know that relationship was enhanced to the maximum. This is such a, a tender time. Our, the passing and, and death is, is frequently not talked about from the from that notion of how it is a sacred time, just like birth. This is the first Father's Day for me. Yes. So here you are in your first Father's Day. Now, how was, how do you, or did you relate to your dad? And, and in his passing, was there, was there senses of, of being complete or was there senses of, still wanting to communicate more so i i learned there's a couple things to unpack there first yesterday when barbara called me i was sitting with my friend from high school i haven't seen in some years and he owns a funeral home with his family wow. he's he took it over wow so i haven't seen his face in forever he has been dealing with my two older sisters and my mom when I was on the West Coast. And, and, you know, so they connected. He has been 
absolutely a godsend. And and my gosh, like how nice is it that I know this person? Yes. Yes. And so he is so, and he also knew my dad as a coach mm, and yes. as my buddy's dad. So he's, he knew, they knew exactly what we needed. Mm. Um, he was walking away. He was walking down um, our front, front pathway to go. And Barbara's blowing me up. So I, I answer and um, she did not, uh, Barbara um, called me and, and I picked up and um she did not know my news. She didn't know where I was. She thought we were still in Seattle area, 10 minutes from her. Right. So she, I told her, you know, about what happened. She goes, Oh, so I'm not going to ask you to do this favor, which was this podcast for you. And then I talked like the next 10 minutes and, and we both realized that, um, I needed this for some healing. Mm-hmm. so I was like let's do it like like I should just do it um so that was really interesting uh and I am extremely happy I made that decision and this this has been like absolutely perfect um so yeah my buddy Joey helped us out um going back a little bit was there a question there I missed Did well I miss the other part to unpack is feelings that you have of how you relate to your dad and if it felt complete or if you feel like there's more to communicate and what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Barbara told me that speaking to that, you know, speaking to my dad's spirit, if I have more to say, it, it heals, it'll Mm -hmm. heal. And I believe she told me that with firsthand experience. So, um, I am going to continue to do that because I, I felt like, yes, I, I do need that. If you go back a week in my head, I am writing eulogies. I'm writing speeches. I'm, I'm, I was starting to, to create a list. If in fact I would be bedside, what I would ask him. Um, and also on top of all this, I wish I was closer to him. Um, you know, he had a rough upbringing Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, he was not the most social person and, um, and that held him back a little bit. And, and I always felt that he had a hard time finding happiness just for himself, Mm -hmm. but it did, it did come in, in small little tincture drops for him. And, um, the Euro cup is on right now. So, you know, having a soccer game volume on in the house Mm -hmm. is kind of his embodiment spirit a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, um, his, uh, you know, his legacy is these projects around this house that he didn't quite, you know, uh, you know, he didn't quite get to finish, but you can see that he mastered whatever, that was, and, and there are countless amount of, uh, you know, his craftsman work around mm. the house. And that's why I've been ripping around the house like Tasmanian devil, because <laughs> I feel like, and I've asked him, I asked him if it's okay, if I could, you know, kind of finish some of these projects. Mm. And let me tell you, Roxanne, oh my gosh, oh, the first night I got here, this was so bizarre. First night I got here, I um, I, I think everybody. No, no. Uh, the first night we got here, we fell asleep. In, in the next morning, I couldn't sleep. So six a.m. I was downstairs, and I'm on my phone. I'm like looking at room to room, seeing what I could do, like for a, I don't know, like a, like a five minute repair, mm-hmm. as far as I don't know, I could replace a um, a doorknob. You know, so I, if I could go to Lowe's and buy this locking door to put on the side door because maybe this lock is not so, you know, oh, it's just old and beat up and maybe something more <clears throat> more secure. So two new doorknobs. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, I just went on and on and on of what I could accomplish. I didn't expect to get all this stuff done. So my, I had like, you know, I took five minutes. I had like 13 things on the list already. And so I wanted to go into the garage where he has a, uh, 
uh, his car restoration project, 1954 Jaguar XK140. Unbelievable British two-door car. I mean, I dream about this thing. And um, so I wanted to go see the car and just snoop around the garage a little bit. So my mom had to put bells on each door because she was on a 24-hour call in these later years because he would wander out. Right. And and my my next-door neighbor would be like, we need i saw john walk down the street like what's mm-hmm. he doing so mm-hmm. my mom put all these like little bells and this particular antique bell is uh on is um to go out to the backyard and so i didn't want to wake anybody or set off that bell so i disengaged this lever that you can mm-hmm. um, on this particular antique bell design and so I pulled and, and lifted this up and leaned it against the wall. And then I opened the door and no bell went off. And I went to the, went to the back. I snooped around. I saw the Jag, took some pictures and came back in and sat in the living room and just started to continue my list. And I'm, and I'm sitting down and my, my head is looking down at my phone and the bell goes off. The bell goes off. And a chill goes from my feet to my head and I lifted my head. And I looked toward the kitchen, toward the back room, and you know I didn't I didn't hear the door open. All I heard was the bell, mm-hmm. as if the door opened. Mm-hmm. And and I went back there, and uh, the door was shut. Mm-hmm. And and then I started. I proceeded to ask my dad if it's okay to do this list because I don't know if in retrospect right now I'm realizing that the bell was maybe an applause, but before I took it as maybe he doesn't want me to do any of these projects. So I asked him, you know, I I asked him if, if uh, it's okay to proceed on these little projects here and there, I reassured him that nothing too big was going to happen just yet. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So that was that was something else, you know. That really is is something else, and it occurs to me as you're talking, John, that your experience with Rumi in the womb really prepared you in 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 a special way for your experience with relating to your father who has passed. It's just how it occurs to me. What do you, does it does it seem like there? that that could really be a, a part of what has been brought to you right now? Right now. It does. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> yeah. That's what I needed. Yeah. Yeah. I I always know that, that the timing of things is always peculiar in our minds. Not always, but often we don't get it. We don't understand. We don't comprehend. How come now? Why this now? Or or for whatever reason, anticipated or not anticipated. And yet there is wisdom. And I just know that the more we are actually present and connected is the moments that we realize that all of this was not unanticipated, but prepared for. Yeah. Barbara called for a reason. Yeah. 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 And Barbara mentioned to me, it's Father's Day. It's like ding, ding, ding. It hadn't, I, on Mother's Day, I had a mama. And it would not be complete to not have a dad on Father's Day. And then she's like, I know who. And so we really, uh, this was, there's a word I, I use, serendipitous, you know, it's very serendipitous that this has come together with design, with design, uh, yet it took a lot. And for me to not say to you, John, your courage to be emotionally open at this very vulnerable time is, is something to celebrate. I celebrate it every time I find it. 
And to be able to broadcast this on Father's Day makes my heart sing because this type of wanting to be and being and living in that space of the type of man, the type of father is something to really broadcast. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. But <laughs> you knew it was going to be like this, didn't you? You text me, you sent me that text. I, well, yeah, I sent you the text saying that this was going to be a very poignant episode because of your courage. And that, you know, I, it is important for us to really talk about real things and to really put ourselves not in a hiding place, but in that open place of sharing. Because always everyone is looking for connection. We all look for that connection. We all look for that love. We all look for that understanding. And the places that we find it is in our real opening up and being raw with one another. That's the place that it's discovered. So. My sister said last night, you know, I told her that our doula called and this, is, this was going to happen. And she's like, you know what? I think this is really good that you're doing this because if there's a voice we all need to hear more of it's from the father. We all hear, you know, from the mother and, and, but one that we need more of is from the father. And I thought that was, you know, pretty special too. It is very special too. We, to have the voice of, of everyone is the choir's incomplete. And the experience is not as you have demonstrated so perfectly it wasn't just an experience heather was having that you're witnessing no not at all you were actively involved and crucial you know crucial and you have um invested in a type of parenting that you probably wished you had had and you have a lot of the capacities you have not just because of things that you've pursued, but there was also groundwork that was given to you by your father. And maybe it was things that he didn't fully express in his life. We all come with, as you know, and as I, as people will discover, because the next episode, we're going to actually put Barbara on the stage with the interview that was, that was, uh, pro was already recorded. As you have a chance to unpack the things that are there for you, you, you also get to unpack some of the things that existed generationally. Right. Wow. And that is one thing that I'm sitting here in so much rejoicing for how your dad is having the opportunity to rejoice in you doing this, in the things that you've said, in the way that you honor him, and the way that he's had that opportunity to see before he passed to get to know his granddaughter. So very rich. Very. Yeah. And you actually haven't even had the ceremony yet. That's yet to come, right? It's yet to come. So again, um, I, there is, amazingly enough, the time goes flying by. We're coming down to the last few minutes. So I really want you to have an opportunity to not answer a question, to say anything else that might be occurring to you or anything that you uh, feel if you were speaking to someone that's looking to become a dad or is a dad and today they're feeling sad about their relationship with their dad the day that this airs. You know, if there's any thoughts or things or feelings that you would want to share consider this your opportunity to do it um yeah what would i say to 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 me 20 years ago there yeah. you go yeah what would i say to myself um you know um why that's that's definitely loaded um you know for some reason right now i feel like uh you know i did try um in certain aspects to get close to my dad i guess i guess i would tell myself to um to try harder 
maybe um, to get closer and to get more involved and and uh, you know I've always have been jealous of um, you know uh, hearing stories of uh, you know my my dad and I are on a trip around the country going to each baseball game uh, mm-hmm. stadium to do more things like that to create more memories. I think, uh, 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 here it is. I would tell myself to create more memories just for you two, you know, mm-hmm. because we, we have these great memories and there were families, you know, the family was together. Mm-hmm. But as far as just my dad and I, we only have a few, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and I think the more you do just the two, of you the closer you'll get and uh i think he was on the right path with doing that but when i got when i got to a certain age those just the two of us moments got a little more scarce um Mm -hmm. so yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that's a beautiful thing that's a having the opportunity to take time to share things that you mutually love like you were saying that you were jealous of ones that would go to the all the all the ballparks but that's right. that they they shared that genuine um appreciation and love it sounds like cars it sounds like you were a little intrigued with the car i don't know if that was a something that brought you together what would you say brought you guys together uh, yes, his uh, through his engineering and craftsmanship, he was just outstanding. Um, he was exceptional, and he worked for the Corps of Engineers Marine Design. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I remember uh, sitting on his lap, and he would show me his blueprints, and he would say, "What's that?" and "What's that?" You know, and I, I kind of would um, learn his blueprints and work, and and uh, this this another. Um, aspect is this jaguar like this this jag is unbelievable and and uh it's kind of his legacy and my mom always knew that that uh she wanted it restored and he was on his way he uh he bought the car when he was um you know really young and he's had it for all these years it's been sitting in the backyard for better part of a century Wow. He completely restored the engine and dashboard. And, um, you know, there's some body work that needs to be done and and some time and some money. And I can't wait to get it on the road and, and take my mom for a spin. You know, that's years down the road, but who knows what can happen. That's awesome. Picture in my mind to see your mom and you driving down the road in this celebrational Jaguar that has been over half a century in the making. That will be a phenomenal one-on-one experience with your mom. Yeah. You have just uh, been able to bring such a richness to this on both sides. So tell us in this last couple minutes, what are your hopes and dreams? And in relationship to being a dad, um it's funny that i see this the the car in our future um i have been joking that Rumi's going to learn how to drive in that jag <laughs> which by that point the car will be uh close to 80 years old i guess I don't know. <laughs> um uh yeah i see that as how i can have a creative outlet and how i can use that as a hobby how i can get me taken care of as far as uh you know as a father uh you know i i also plan um for a career change i'm I'm Mm -hmm. trying to change careers and have something more stable and more rigid i just i can't wait to be there for rumi after she falls through all these exercises with with barbara and stuff and and all those things I visualized in the womb, they're going to become a reality. I'm excited to, to acknowledge her when she comes into the room and really be interactive and pay attention. And he just popped into my head. I One of my friends who I never not known, he grew up two doors down from here. And he has become 
such a good dad. And he, what has, I've never forgotten is um, he says that all he has to do is ask his girls now. I think they're, one is 10, one is nine, one is six. And he, he's, he's got to a he's got to a really good place and it wasn't easy for him and his wife to get here. He figured out that all he has to do is ask his kids and listen. So I'm, I'm going to take that in stride as well and, and ask Rumi and, and listen to her and listen to her ideas and her needs and, and, uh, see what happens. You're going to have a wonderful life. If you listen and you ask, it is bound to be beautiful. Thank you. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us this week on our special Father's Day edition of Midwife After Hours. Special thank you to John Boyd. You can reach him on his Instagram account at 80.boyd. Special thanks to the father of my children, my husband, Terry Spring, who also produces this program. And a special thank you and a wish for a happy Father's Day for all of you out there. Be sure to tune in next week to learn more about the person that was so featured in this, Barbara Decker. Catch you in the air next week, Valley 104.9 FM and 1049.org.